at the very end of this message, you're going to need a small sheet of paper in which we put some on the on the uh, tables if you didn't have one. And then I know you've got these, most of you all have the, the focus things, uh, little notepads, which are just adorable. So just at the very end, just make sure that you've got a piece of paper in arm's reach, but that will be at the very, very end. Oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that this word go forth accurately, decisively, and deep. Lord, I pray that it shifts anything that it needs to shift. It aligns anything that it needs to align. And, Lord, it builds up anything it needs to build up. And so, Lord, I pray for the spirit of revelation to be upon us today, the spirit of understanding, Lord, so that we can hear this word and personally apply and then practically live out in our everyday lives what you're speaking to us today through the preaching of your word in Jesus' name. You know, today I want to share a message entitled Awake and Arise. And I believe the Holy Spirit is orchestrating situations and circumstances right now that are intentionally touching your lives in ways that God wants to bring deep transformation. Is anybody really ready for deep transformation in the house today? And the process of transformation begins with awakening because there's some areas in your heart that he is focused on. They're on his radar to bring transformation But first, there needs to be an awakening. And so I want to just take a quick look at Isaiah 52, 1 and 2. Let me read those those verses for us today. Isaiah 52, verses 1 and 2. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourselves from the dust. Arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem, and loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Isaiah is prophesying that God is about to visit the wastelands of Jerusalem. And I am here prophesying today that the Holy Spirit is about to visit the wastelands in your life. The Lord has got on his radar those areas in your heart and in your life that are wastelands, and he is about to bring great visitation. Because this is a season that God is causing areas of our hearts to awaken in a new way. He is stirring our hearts to the, to the place where we're saying, I, I'm so miserable, this is either so the devil or so God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? Let me tell you, I can almost guarantee that the majority of our misery is from the Lord because he is awakening us so that he can transform us so that, you know, you guys know me well enough. I'm extremely prophetic, but I'm extremely practical. I want the prophetic in my life to impact my personal life because a prophetic word is never enough. So he's stirring us that there is more because transformation is at hand. So when you wake up, what happens? In the natural, your eyes are open. And you see things that you've never been able to see before. You see things that must be left behind so that you can move forward. It's amazing when God wakes you up to something that you've held so tight and you literally realize that if you don't let go, you ain't going nowhere. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It might be a relationship. It might be a habit. 
It might be a thought pattern. Hello? So when you, when you wake up, your eyes see things they've never seen before. You see limitations in your life that you didn't see before. You see emotional patterns that aren't healthy. Anybody getting dealt with in their emotions in this hour? Okay, is it only me? What are you all? We see attitudes that don't reflect the culture of the kingdom of God. But we also see God's goodness and faithfulness in ways that we've never seen before. How many of you know that when your eyes are awakened to God's faithfulness, right in the middle of a nightmare, it becomes a dream? So our eyes are being awakened in a new way. The Holy Spirit is working in your life right now to bring a great awakening. Let me tell you something, my friends. I am not waiting for revival. I'm in it. I have been in personal revival for 17 years. And there are, there are ways to posture yourself. And there's a relational capacity that's available with the Lord that, yes, I'm all for the next corporate move of God, but I don't know about you, I cannot live on waves of God. There's just too much time in between. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So God's awakening us. He's stirring our hearts so that we can have that interaction and that relational increase with the Lord in our everyday life as God does things corporately on the earth. Because let me tell you, my friends, we are a glorious church. We are a powerful church. And we are, we are becoming the very thing that God says we are. And it's a powerful day to be on the earth. So what I want to do for a few moments today is I want to look at Esther's journey of being awakened. And it will give us insight into what God's doing in your life right now. You know, one area that Esther was awakened was that God awakened her to the purposes of God for her heart, for her life. And, you know, you might be thinking that... um, After all Esther went through in her childhood, that becoming the queen was God's final purpose for Esther. And, you know, maybe Esther even dreamt of that as a little girl because of everything she went through. She was a child of captivity. She was raised in a culture of bondage. Can anybody kind of relate to any of this so far? She was an orphan and deprived of parental care and nurturing. She was a Jewish captive orphan. Wow, what a background for a queen. But in Esther chapter 4, I won't read this because it's throughout the verses 1 through 17, we see that Esther began to discover that God's purpose didn't end with her becoming queen. It was merely the beginning. So, So God was awakening Esther to more of his plans. I like to say it this way. She got progressive revelation. If you were here two years ago on Sunday when I preached here, I preached a message called Don't Rebuke the Ram. Does anybody remember that message? It's on the book table. And I talked about progressive revelation. Well, God's awakening you right now in this hour to show you some unfolding plans of destiny that are on your life just like he did Esther. And you might even think that you've hit the... You've hit your platform for living, that this is it. Well, I'm here to announce today, my friends, most of you have not hit a platform. You've hit a ceiling. And that ceiling's about to become your floor. And that's progressive revelation. Esther got it. (laughs) She woke up. Esther's purpose went beyond the palace. So let me just say this prophetically to you personally. The Holy Spirit is awakening you to his plans beyond what you've previously perceived. He's addressing things in your life that are a limitation for your future. 
There are certain things that you've found comfort in that the Holy Spirit is going to be putting his holy finger on because some of the comforting things of the past are the limitation things of your future. The Lord is unweaving you from some things in this hour to connect you afresh and anew. The Spirit is releasing progressive revelation that will be like a bridge that you can walk over to get to the other side. It's revelation that's going to take you where you need to go. You know, and it might seem that you're in between right now. Does anybody feel like they're in the in-between? You know, and, and I had this picture because I think there's, I felt like there would be several people that felt like they're in between, and it's as if you're holding on to a trapeze and you've been swinging back and forth, and you know that you've got to catch that next trapeze bar, but you know that when you let go of that one, there'll be a moment in time before you touch the next bar, and there will be an in-between time when you're suspended in the air. Can I tell you that that's God? Aren't you glad you came to church? Why is that the Lord? There is spiritual development in the in-between that's not in the before or the after. There is spiritual development and maturity and impartation from the Spirit that happens in the in-between that doesn't happen in the before or the after. The in-between is, you know, it's just wonderful if you understand the ways of the Lord in this area then you can lose your fear and you can live in the in-between out of Deuteronomy 33.27 that says, the eternal God is your refuge. This used to be one of Corey Timboom's favorite scriptures. And underneath are the everlasting arms. How many of you know if you're in-between and you really have a revelation that he's your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms, who needs a safety net? Is anybody with me in the house? And let me just say this, you don't have to be in a palace like Esther to wake up to the unfolding plans of the Lord for your life. You know, when I started waking up to the plans of God on my life, I was definitely not in a palace, I was in a prison. And um, I can remember when I, that fallow ground started breaking up. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, when your heart started perceiving that there was something beyond just uh, horizontal living. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So here I am, I'm incarcerated, I'm in prison. And the Holy Spirit just started dealing with me. Does he deal with you? (laughs) He's dealing with me. And uh, I would go to these small chapel services, and and, um, I I can remember this volunteer would come, and when he would leave and um, it was time for me to go back to my dorm, he would would always shake hands, and I'd leave, and he'd shake my hand, and he'd look me right in the eyes, and he'd go, you're anointed. You're called. You're chosen. And I'd, I'd, those words would hit my head, and I don't know about you, those words would hit my head, and I'd so believed something else that those words hit my head and they bounced off the ground before I could even get back to my prison cell. Sure enough, a couple of months later, this guy would come in. He'd do his deal, he'd do his sermon, and I don't know if he, he knew, but he said the same thing every time he left. He'd reach, he'd shake my hand, he'd say, you're anointed, you're chosen, you're called. And by then, the Holy Spirit had been dealing with me just in my everyday life. So that had been a couple of months. So those words came on my head, and they stuck long enough for me to get back to my, my bunk. Okay? And then they fell off. <laughs> Always made a mess in my cell. Sure enough, what happened? You're anointed. 
You're called. And you're chosen. And you are. And so those words came and they messed with my head because my head's telling me I'm a loser. Uh, you, You had all these sinful experiences and it's challenging me. But how many of you know this is the process of renewing the mind? Romans 12. So... So this started dealing with my head, and, and finally I began to wake up that this battle in here, that the truth coming in was trying to destroy something that had been built up, and the truth was trying to build something that never existed. Is anybody with me? And so let me tell you, I'm in, the, I'm in a prison. Nothing supported the words that were spoken to me. The truth to me proved to be more powerful than a razor wire fence. It was more, it, it could penetrate cinder block walls. I mean, the truth is like superwoman. You know, it can just bound over everything. You know, the truth overcame the fortress in my head that I had built, and it began to build the fortress that I should live in. Is anybody with me? But it started with an awakening. So you might be in a palace or you might feel like you're in a prison, like me, where your circumstances, your surroundings, your, your life, your work, your friends, maybe even your family, it doesn't support the truth that you're called. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't encourage you to believe the truth. Let me tell you, if God can overcome my strongholds of lies in the situation I'm in, I have no tolerance for, for fortresses that, that stay in the existence of where truth is being spoken. So today I'm speaking over you. You might be in a palace or a prison, but I'm here to tell you today, your fortress is coming down. Your fortress is coming down. And you can get out of your prison right where you are. Because God is dealing with those things that have stopped us from knowing who we are and being awakened to the purposes of God in our lives. And it's a time of progressive revelation it's a time where God's awakening our hearts so that we can, we can be aware of what we're putting into hearts. I don't know about you, but the way I got the way I was, does that make sense? The way I got the way I was, was people just threw things at me verbally or circumstantially or situations, and I had no guard. I, I was like a, my heart was like a catcher's mitt. I was just, throw it, okay, loser, yeah. I wish I had sticky notes. I had a thing of sticky notes. I'd write these words, and I'd have sticky notes all over me, and I'd be one big writable pad. And it was anything you wanted to put on me. You could put loser, sinner, sexual, addiction, liar, thief. I mean, I would be covered with yellow squares of absolutely dishonoring, rejecting, shameful things. That's how I ended up. And you know why I ended up that way? No one ever taught me how to guard my heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. I figured if you brought it to me, it was mine. And how many of you know the enemy is going to make sure, he's going to do everything he can to make sure his voice and his sticky notes come at you first. Esther guards her heart. Esther learned to keep and guard her heart even though she was in some very difficult circumstances. My friends, I do not deny the difficulty and the pressure on your life, but here's what I'm here to tell you. You can arise. You can overcome. You have it in you. And you've got some tools and, and, and relational capacity with the Holy Spirit that's going to enable you like never before in this hour. 
But Esther learned to guard her heart. I mean, we know that Mordecai embraced Esther as his own daughter after her parents died. But, you know, Esther didn't crawl into a pit of self-centeredness or self-pity or self-rejection or isolation. You know, she allowed her broken heart to find a home and a new family. Is anybody with me? How many of you know that many times after a big personal loss, there is huge, big personal temptation to jump into the pit? How many of you know you get in the pit one of three ways? There's a pit, and somebody pushes you, and you end up in a pit. Right? You know, and there's, there's a pit, and how else can you get in the pit? You trip, and you end up in the pit. And then there's the pit that I've been in many times. There's a pit. Oh, look, let me get in that pit. <laughs> Esther didn't do any of that. I'm sure people tried to push her. I'm sure she stumbled a couple of times. And I'm sure she was even tempted to jump in herself. She didn't do that at all. She guarded her heart. Let me tell you something, my friends. Recognizing God's provision and care in the midst of transition guards your heart. Esther watched her heart in that time of transition, and that was part of guarding her heart. Then when Esther was taken to the king's palace, away from everything that was comfortable, trust me, when I went, when I went into prison, I lost everything comfortable. <laughs> I lost everything. There was nothing comfortable about prison in, in any form or fashion. And she lost everything that was comfortable, everything that was safe, everything that was secure, and she was taken away from everyone that was familiar. I can so relate to this. But she guarded her heart because the voice of a victim spoke to her heart mind, spoke to her heart and her mind every day. Does anybody know that voice? I've heard that voice. At times I've resisted and times I've embraced, but I'm guarding my heart with all diligence now in a new way, with a new strength. But Esther didn't focus on that voice. She kept her focus on the voice of God, that there had to be an, an unfolding plan in the midst of this. I mean, a new phrase that the Lord has recently given me is this. Focus on the dream in the middle of the nightmare. If, y'all, if, if, if I'm a Facebook friend with you, you saw that on a post about a week and a half ago. Because I'm telling you, again, what did I talk about last night? We talked about being in a focus fight. Are you focused on the nightmare or the dream? How many of you know that life situations are usually a mixture? Is anybody with me? Jeremiah says, separate the precious from the vial. Somebody go with me today. So, so Esther guarded her heart. She resisted the voice of the enemy, and she focused on the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that guarded her heart. Let me tell you, every life experience that you have has two voices that are going to speak into that situation. How many of you know the enemy's got something to say about everything that you experience? How many of you know that the Holy Spirit also has something to say about everything you experience? And that's why we have to know the Lord in this hour, because one of the reasons we're so focused on what the, what the enemy is saying, we don't recognize the voice of the Lord. I believe that you've been sitting under um, anointings and, and you've been in an atmosphere where literally the eyes of your heart and the ears of your spirit will be awakened 
And you will be able to perceive the Lord in your everyday life in a new way. And that will strengthen you to turn from the voice of the enemy, whether it be in sight or in hearing, so that you can focus on the voice or the perception of what God is doing, and that will help you guard your heart. That's good preaching, Mary. You go. people that celebrate you and accept you where you are, but they're so for you to go to the next place, but they're not trying to hold you back from what you came from. They're loving you and relating you right here, and they're empowering you to go forward, but you're not having to morph and fit in with the fear of man. You are who God said you are. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to empower you with today, the courage to move out of some situations and relationships that has stolen your identity. I'm here to throw you a line to rescue you today. You have permission to leave, not your husband's. It's time, my friends, to be the real you. It's time. Turn to your neighbor and say it's time. Guarding your heart in healthy, hear me, in healthy, non-defensive. I can guard my heart and not wall you out. Okay, I can guard my heart and not wall you out. Let me tell you, that was the inner life of Jesus. Jesus touched people's lives, but he guard, guarded his heart. He never let their stuff mess with his heart. But he didn't wall his heart up. He let his heart touch, touch their heart because it was guarded, but it wasn't walled. You might say, Mary, how do I do that? You're going to have to work with the Holy Spirit. That's not a cop-out because you are so wired different. I can tell you how I do it. But I'm not here to produce robots. I'm here to produce disciples. So you need to seek the Holy Spirit and say, I don't know what that means, what she said, but I want to have relationships like that. The Lord recently was challenging me on some relationships issues. Imagine that. And he said, um, Mary, do you, do you follow me in the power anointing? Oh, yes, Lord. And I remembered a meeting I'd just done and, some, a different fire anointing came than what came. I've been with y'all a year, right? Seems like, no, in a good way. In a meeting, and a, a certain fire anointing came in, and I had a vision of me following him and facilitating that. Oh, yes, Lord, I follow you in the fire anointing. Do you follow me in the miracle anointing? Oh, yes, Lord, I follow you in the miracle anointing. When I have words of knowledge, I'm, I'm brave. I release words of knowledge. I try to facilitate healing. Oh, yes, Lord, I follow you in the miracle anointing. He began to ask me all these questions, and he asked me this. He goes, do you follow me relationally like Jesus? Do you do relationships like I do them? Could we go back to the miracle anointing? I am so increasing, it's amazing. For one thing, I never knew to look at Jesus and his relational pattern. I have become, I'm becoming what I've beheld. 
So I'm now beholding Jesus and his relational patterns. I just watched the Gospel of John. It's a DVD, and it's just the – but I, I put relational lenses on. So I watched that DVD, didn't even pop popcorn, and I asked the Holy Spirit to begin to show me Jesus' heart in an interactive way relationally through that DVD. So I am growing like leaps and bounds. Have I arrived? Heavens no. Have I arrived in following the miracle anointing? I probably missed three or four words of knowledge today. Not perfect, but I have. A, and now my heart has been awakened, just like I'm preaching to you today, that that's even something I need to do. Nobody told me. The Holy Spirit has now revealed. So I'm always a work in progress. One of my life verses is Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work and you will complete it up until the day of Jesus Christ. So, you know, I'm in it, I'm in it for the long haul. And I've not arrived in any area. But I now have a heart that's been awakened, just like the Lord is doing today, that that's something I need to be aware of so that I can experience transformation, so that I can become what I behold. So one of the things the Lord is teaching me to separate my precious from my vial is he's been showing me how I've done relationships in a non-healthy way, how some impact on some relationships of my family of origin have impacted me in an unhealthy way, not to dishonor, but I'm now able to separate the residue and the impact so that I can become what I'm now beholding. Because before that was what I was beholding, so I was becoming. So I became what I beheld and then I was. And so now I'm becoming, I'm beholding and becoming what I was not. And you can do that too if you want to. That's totally up to you. So guarding your heart in healthy, non-defensive, loving ways is a key, really, to discovering who God made you to be. You're going to find yourself in other people. What am I saying? The Lord is awakening you to his purpose. But on this journey of being awakened, the Holy Spirit will be teaching you to guard your heart in new ways. Amen? Just say this out loud. Say, Lord, teach me to guard my heart diligently in any way that's effective and needful for my heart. And then God awakened Esther to the part that he had prepared for her. You know, in Esther 2, 1 through 18, that's, of course, where Esther became queen. And certainly that was a new part for Esther to play in her life. And her life would be touching other lives in a very significant way and in a new way. And, you know, in Ephesians 4.16, that talks about how when people are, are rightly fit together, when, when they're rightly joined together, that that's when life happens. How many of you know that when you have relationships or you're in a part that's not quite, how many of you know that if I took my foot and tried to attach it to my ear, we'd have trouble? You know, how many of you know that, you know, your, your eye and your, your hand, they play different parts? You know, for example, did you see my ring? Everybody see my ring? Sam Moon, 395. I'm not advertising. Isn't that a nice ring? Well, <clears throat> you know, my, my finger is to wear the ring. But my eye is to look at the ring. But what if my eye wanted to play my finger's part? And all of a sudden, my eye wanted to wear the ring. I mean, if my eye was not doing its right part, then it's trying to do so. How many of you know that this affects the whole body? How's my walk right now, girls? 
You know, it's okay to find your part and do it. And it's okay when your part looks like different than somebody else's part. Esther found her part, and she did it with all diligence, with confidence, and with nobody else around her doing her part. One of my favorite analogies is this analogy Paul gave us of the body. Because the kingdom of God is going to be manifested through a body that understands the revelation that there is unity in diversity, not in conformity. Mary, that was so good. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to pray that tonight. You go, girl. Thank you. The Lord has a part for you. It involves being rightly joined with others around you. And so it's critical to know your spiritual identity. Because if you're, if you're an eye and you think you're a finger or wannabe, how, how many of you know that's just not going to quite work? And, and this is what's going to help us understand that our who is not our do. Your who is not established by what you do. It's about the part. It's about the identity that God has given you. So it's time, my friends, that, that the Holy Spirit give us a fresh awakening. Maybe you've never been awakened in this way before. Maybe there's a fresh awakening that's needed in your heart. I'm personally in a fresh awakening of my identity. It's like I've been in the ocean and I've, I've lived at a depth of understanding. And, I, and just recently, just actually with, within this year, I, you know when you get in the ocean and then all of a sudden there's a drop off? But I've lived at a depth of revelation of, of who I am in the spirit, who I am in him. What does that mean to him? Uh, wh- what is my identity that comes from heaven? But then all of a sudden I took a drop off. And I'm having to live at a depth of understanding and revelation of who I am that's impacting my whole world. And it's shaking a lot of things. But how many of you know that's a good thing? I've been shaken by the devil and I've been shaken by God. What do you choose? (laughs) I choose the Lord's shaking. So what else did the Lord awaken Esther to? The Lord awakened Esther to the plans of the enemy. In chapter 4, verse 5 through 9, Esther sends her attendant to go find out why Mordecai and many of the other Jews are mourning and tearing their clothes and laying in sackcloth and ashes and crying because Esther found out what the enemy was doing. And let me say this about the enemy's plans. We don't ever, ever, ever need to get overly fascinated with the kingdom of darkness. Demons are activities of the devil. But, my friends, let me say this. We cannot remain uninformed and ignorant either. We live in two worlds simultaneously. We live in two worlds. In this nation, this is about the only nation where I travel that I have to convince people that you, your life right now is being impacted by two worlds simultaneously. We're so Greek in our thinking that we don't understand the spiritual dimensions that are touching our everyday life. We don't understand how to live in two worlds at one time. That's not, that's not spooky or goofy. It's normal Christianity. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that Satan will take advantage if we're ignorant of his devices. In any area where we are ignorant, Satan has access to our lives. I'm going to say that again. Any area that you're, how many of you know you can look back over your life and you can see, you can literally say, well, I just, you, you know, God revealed something. You'd either been in bondage or sin or just unhealthy stuff, and you got there because you didn't know. Anybody? And that's what we'll say. We'll say, I just didn't know. Well, Hosea 4.6 says, 
we perish for lack of knowledge. And I don't know about you all, but I grew up in a, in a family system that literally taught me what you don't know won't hurt you. Did anybody else hear that? But that's not true. That's wrong thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say wrong thinking. Because James 4, 7 says this, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get that backwards. I resist God, submit to the devil, and nobody goes anywhere. <laughs> but recently, uh, not too long ago, I was, I was looking at that passage, and, and I was thinking about warfare, and I was thinking about some other things, and, and the Lord just spoke to me, and he said, Mary, you can't resist what you don't recognize. You can't resist what you don't recognize. So I'd like to pray for us right now. Put your hand on your heart. And I'm going to pray that the Lord's going to give you the ability to recognize some devices and schemes of the enemy that are going on right now in your life and in the lives of your families so you can begin to resist in a new way. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for an awakening right now in the hearts of your people. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for a spirit of revelation that you can begin to show us, God, the, the devices and the schemes and the tactics of the enemy that are going on in our lives and in the lives of our families and, and Lord, in our businesses and our ministries. Father, I am asking that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. And, Lord, I ask that you would show us uh, the tactical response of how to resist those things you're going to show us. Lord, show us the answer. Lord, give us the tools. Give us the weapon of war that we need to specifically use in that moment to resist that demonic attack and scheme. So, Father, I thank you for fresh awakening and a fresh strength and power to resist the devil. And, Lord, I know that's going to result in greater submission to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Is that not good? So the Lord also awakened Esther to the priorities of the kingdom. In Esther 4.16, that verse, we've all heard it. It says, if I perish, finish it with me, if I perish, right? If I perish, I perish. What was Esther saying? She's going for it. She was willing to put first whatever God said put first. And we know Matthew 6.32 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me tell you something, my friends. I think this is a huge awakening on the body of Christ right now, that the Holy Spirit is awakening us to areas where we've had our priorities out of order. Is, does anybody even hello to that? There are areas in our lives that we have prioritized over the kingdom of God, and I'll tell you, um, that's shaking in your life right now. He's challenging the order of your life because anything that you have in first place, whatever's in first place in your life orders the rest of your life. I'm going to say that again. Anything in first place in your life orders the rest of your life. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm single. I've not married. My ex-fiance married someone else um, three months before I left prison. I'm okay with that. But the, uh, the deal is, you know, I've not married. So I... I have single gals come up, and I talk to them all the time. And How do you do it? You seem so satisfied. And I can tell the thing that's ordered their entire life is a desire for marriage. I mean, their whole life is ordered with a desire for marriage, so their whole life is out of order. And God's, God's not saying you're not going to be married, but he's touching that thing. At least, my goodness, get it down to number two. <laughs> Try that for a day. See how that's working for you. 
it, it's a priority issue. For, for you, it might be you've got to have a new home. You've got to sell that, whatever it is, whatever you're, just check. Ask the Lord, Lord, what's my number one priority? I could be around somebody for a few minutes, and I can tell them what's ordering their lives. It's whatever's first place. Sometimes for me, I've got a lot of ministry colleagues. I am determined, with the help of the Holy Spirit, not to have ministry in first place. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to have the kingdom of God in first place, ordering my life, and ministry will probably be up there at the top, but it's not going to be the top. Let this help somebody today. So the Lord awakened Esther to the priorities of the kingdom. And let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is releasing progressive revelation of what it means to live a kingdom life. Deep desire is being stirred in the hearts all over the planet. This is all over the planet. There's not a single heart, pre-Christian or Christian, that the Holy Spirit's not hovering over hearts to bring a desire to align with the kingdom. As much as you've always heard that there's a hole in your heart for Jesus, has anybody heard that? I'm telling you today that there is a DNA in the heart of man to, to represent and produce the kingdom of God. There's a literally shaking, there's a tsunami happening in the hearts of man and men and women all over the earth to bring forth that alignment so that the kingdom of God is fully established within so the kingdom of God can advance on the out. The priorities of the kingdom. So deep desire is being stirred in the hearts to pay a price to align with the king. Are you willing to pay a price to align with your king? To truly align from the inside out? It's one thing to come in here and worship. It's another to go out there and live. There's a price. To prioritize the kingdom and live a kingdom life. The Holy Spirit is helping you in the process of renewing your mind, the submitting of your will, and the healing of your heart. The healing of the heart brings forth the strength and the ability and the courage to really align with the kingdom in a way that's literally impossible. That's like if you had a broken leg and I'm trying to demand on you to go run a marathon. The, The healing is not just for healing's sake, it's for the king. The healing is not just just for that moment and for that personal strength. Yes and amen to that. Amen and amen and amen to that. But I'm telling you there's an outward working of the healing of the heart that needs expression in this hour. And it's called a kingdom life lived for the king. So the intervention of the spirit in these areas, the renewing of the mind, the submission of the will, the healing of the heart, is going to empower and inquire. I'm trying to give you a big picture for, for outward purpose for an inward work. Is anybody there? Yes. Is it for the healing of the heart and the soul and the mind and the will? Yes, yes, yes. And amen. It's called the sanctification of the soul. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, are you saved? Are you not saved? Are you going to work for your salvation? He's saying you've been born again. Let, let it saturate your soul. Let it renew your mind. Let it, let it bring submission to your will. Let it bring healing to your emotions and then display it in your earth suit. That's what the sanctification of the soul, that's what the working out of the salvation, your born-again experience looks like. Is that helping anybody in the house today? I could camp there for four hours. It's time, my friends, to make sure that the priorities of your life begin with the priorities of the kingdom.
So the Lord is awakening us, just like he did Esther, to the purposes of God for your life, the part the Lord has assigned to you, the plans of the enemy, and the priorities of the kingdom. So let me close by just taking a quick glance back at Isaiah 52. And that's the part where it says that you are to put on beautiful garments. I mean, isn't that true of us? I mean, we want to put on beautiful garments. And that brings me to the most important subject of today, shopping. I need to tell you something. I'm a purpose-driven shopper. And this is how I shop. So I have some friends come over to my house. They look through my closet, and they tell me what we need, we being the collective we, they and me. So we make a list being them. Are you following me yet? So they make my list. Oh, you need a white shirt to pull these. I mean, because I would be like the, I'm like a girl animals person. When I go shopping, it's so overwhelming. And why do they put the blouses way over there and the skirts over there? How in the world is anybody on my page today? So my friends... They take the list, and we go to these stores that put their stuff all over the building. And so I do my part, and they do theirs. I, they go out, and they start, you know, doing their deal, and I go to the dressing room. And I stand. And I wait. And they go do their thing. So they're out doing their thing, and uh, so they start bringing stuff back, and they'll bring a pair of pants, and I'll go in, put it on, I'll come out. They're all standing there. They all vote. Yes, no, okay. Yes, no, pile. They go bring a blouse in. I put the blouse on. I come out. Yes, no, vote. I'm really not this codependent in other areas. It's just shopping. And so so I come out. And so it's so funny. I'm standing in the dressing room. I've got this one friend. She's total sanguine. You know about sanguines, right? They're like a party in a bottle. And so, so you know, who needs a wind-up toy when you have a sanguine? And so, um, so this, this friend of mine, Vivian, who's the same one, she comes in, and so she puts her hand in the door, and she, she shows me this thing. It's a top of some kind, and it's, like, got this boa on it. It's just pink feathers and, you know, these patches over here. And, I'm, and it's just the wildest thing. And I'm like, and Vivian sticks her hand in there. And I'm like, Vivian, that is so terrible. I would never put that on. And she thought that was hilarious because she's a party in the bottle. So she pulls the, the blouse out, and she's laughing out there, and, And I close the door, and the Lord speaks to me. And he said, "Um, Mary, you let the devil put clothes on you all the time that aren't you. You know, that's what happened to me all my life, like I was telling you about with not having a guarded heart. No matter what you gave me, I put on rejection, shame, no value, dishonor. Just on and on. So whatever garment you brought me, I put on. Labels of loser. You know, just everything. And so one of the things the Lord did for me when I was incarcerated, and he began to awaken me to where I was and where he wanted to take me. I'll never forget, I'd, I'd encountered this visitor, you know, and um, that had come in and began to speak over my life. And after one of those encounters, I went back to my cell and I sat down and I just began to pray. And the minute that I closed my eyes, I saw a vision. Could you come, Anita? I'll let you just play quietly if you don't mind. I just began to see a vision. I'm sitting on my bunk, and all of a sudden I see a vision. And I see the hands of the Lord come towards me. And on the left hand, I saw a list of words. Loser. Reject. Thief. Shame. 
all these horrible, horrible names. And then on the right hand of the Lord, I begin to see these words, chosen, beloved, precious, anointed, apple of my eye. So all these wonderful things. And then all of a sudden, and, it, and all of a sudden the hands began to come closer and closer. And I heard the voice of the Lord say, Mary, you choose. You choose. You choose. You choose. Mary, you choose who you're going to come in agreement with, the devil or me. And you have the deciding vote. That's my question to you today. Could you mind just queuing up that one song, if you don't mind? What are you going to choose today? What garment do you need to take off today? You've got a piece of paper in front of you, and this is what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to ask, and we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, what garment needs to come off you today? What garment have you freely received from someone that's not yours? Is it anger? Is it rejection? Is it shame? Is it loser? Misfit? Always be alone? Pride? Abandonment? Self-hate or self-harm? Failure? What garment needs to come off you today? So as we, as we play this song, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pray And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you which garment he's dealing with in your life right now that needs to come off. And then I want you to write that down. And whenever you're ready, just during the playing of this song, I want you to write it down. And then I want you to wad it up, and I want you to come and leave it at the altar. Just on your own. I'm not going to facilitate that. I'll tell you when your time's up. Because what you're doing when you bring it up here, you are literally prophetically saying, I'm taking off this garment that I've received from someone else, from somewhere else other than you in heaven. And you're going to bring it to the cross today because that's your answer. There was a great exchange at the cross. If your garment is shamed today, let me tell you, the cross happened to give you not just the forgiveness of sins, but the cross happened to give you honor. So take off any garment that needs to come off today. Anybody ready for a clothing exchange today? So as we begin to play this song, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, what garment is your finger touching on my life today? What garment do I need to take off today and take it to the cross? So if you don't mind, that'd be great. Father, right now in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would show us what garment you want us to take off today and bring to the cross. Lord, we're counting on you to reveal. We want a great exchange in our hearts today, God. Whether it be victim mentality, anger, fear, shame, rejection, disappointment, pain, abandonment, failure. Just show us, Lord. And then, Lord, we're going to bring it to the cross today.
where the ultimate of exchanges happened. And we're going to say yes to you and no to the devil today. Sing with a chorus resounding before us. Holy is his name, his name.
we thank you for the cross, for that great exchange. Lord, we thank you for today showing us a garment that we've embraced, Lord, we didn't know to resist. Lord, thank you. And Lord, I declare today new garments for my friends, garments of acceptance, garments of honor, garments of success, garments of connectivity, garments of receiving, garments of a conquering mindset, garments of overcoming. And Lord, I pray that they would show off these new clothes everywhere they go. And, Lord, we bless you and we honor you and we thank you for the garment exchange today in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Yep. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. Anita's going to just lead us in some worship, but I want you to go among yourselves and affirm someone's garment. Go up to them and say, you're looking real good in acceptance today. You're looking real good in honor today. Any garment that you think you would like to be affirmed, go and affirm someone else. Just pat them on the shoulder and say, that honor's looking real good on you today. All right? Find at least three people and honor their new garment just right now.